0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking week four passing game matchups on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into RotoViz Radio. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick joined by Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at rotoviz.com and we're going to be talking week 4 passing game matchups tonight. This is a great episode for all of you playing in those Roto uh, RotoViz Triflex Dynasty Leagues trying to figure out who that third wide receiver is that you need to start or that, you know, deciding between two guys in the flex uh, it's a great episode to get some DFS nuggets um, or prop game uh, prop bet ideas for uh, various games this weekend. Going to be fun. Dave's going to walk us through all of the great data in the passing game matchup radar tool. Uh, before we get started, Dave, I've got to say, man, as we're recording this, the Bengals and the white unis, the color rush Thursday night unis, these are beautiful, man. I, I don't. It's it's such a shame that it took this long for us to get the Siberian Bengal.
2: Yeah, man, it's looking good. Those are some fresh unis. I like them. I'm really glad they brought them out for this. Cause this is a really fun matchup too. Um, you know, a lot of guys with fantasy implications on a Thursday night should be a lot of fun as it continues. Uh, we're starting recording around nine. There's already been some pretty, some pretty fun action. So looking forward to seeing how it closes out. Yeah.
1: Including a very frustrating, uh, cool play pre-snap, uh, head-scratching play post-snap yep. where we get Tyreek Hill in the backfield on like the three-yard line and then a corner a corner fade jump ball to Chase Edmonds that didn't work <laughs> out for the Dolphins uh, on their first drive. So yeah, all kinds of fun. Um, so Dave, just to uh, remind the listeners here, the passing game matchup up Raider tool, uh, a newer one to our portfolio um, of weapons. And the idea here is that we're trying to exploit potential matchups where a player is succeeding in a certain offensive alignment um, against a defense that is susceptible uh, versus players in that alignment. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yep. That's it. Especially, uh, you know, where today there's players often moving all over the formation, Uh, you know, and defensively lots of times they're facing various opponents on the other side of the ball. It's a little bit different than we saw maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago where there was very common, or, or more common than it is now to see one defender on one wide receiver the whole time. So this is a way of cutting at that true matchup between a wide receiver and the defense he's facing more so than just honing in on that one wide receiver versus the one player that feels most likely to cover him in the game.
1: Okay, well, let's dive right in. And uh, I'm going to call out some games and then some specific players that are catching my eye in terms of high uh, matchup ratings. And then, and then we'll also maybe try to find a couple potential dud situations uh, that maybe we want to steer clear from. The first thing that's really popping uh, to me in the tool this week is three of our top four wide receivers are Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a, a, a offense that has struggled a bit in the passing game, both in terms of uh, wide receiver availability and also wide receiver production. Um, and, you know, the, the offense is off, off to a bit of a a, a slow start um, in that regard, and it would be great, you know, for many fantasy owners to see them recover. You know, in week four, they've got this matchup with the Chiefs, and I'm looking at Russell Gage and Julio Jones, one and two. Um, I'm going to guess this means that the Chiefs are a bit susceptible in the slot, and we still see Mike Evans uh, at number four overall. Uh, three, three out of the top four players are Bucks this week.
2: Yeah, so this is one that's just really driven by the fact that Kansas... Well, I think there's a couple of things going on here, Curtis. One being that Kansas City probably is not the best unit right now as far as secondaries go. But I think the other thing is that we see situations where players are then able to score fantasy points as a result of the fact that Kansas City's offense is putting pressure on the team that they're facing's offense to have to put together points and to need to pass more, which leads Mm -hmm. to points. So there's some interesting things that you can pick up in this tool. And one of the things is that all it really is concerned about is getting fantasy points and finding the wide receivers that are going to score fantasy points. So sometimes that can come in interesting ways. Now, it is, I think, particularly pertinent for us to talk about this week, given the health situation that you're seeing there In Tampa Bay, um, you know, where if there are going to be targets concentrated just between one or two of those guys, they're really in line to do very well here. Uh, So very encouraged by Tampa Bay in this matchup. The other thing that we could look at, too, is just to give a sense of, of who some of those players in the secondary are, just to put some faces behind those numbers and dig in a little bit more. We have an alignment detail tab that you can go into in the tool and you can get a sense of where all of the different players are in this game, pre-snap, offensively and defensively. And then from there, you can get a sense of how many points per game those guys are allowing on direct targets. So you got, for example, a player, Lajarius Sneed, allowing 9.4 points per game on direct targets. And that's just uh, when I say a direct target, it means a play where it is clear that he is the primary defender covering a wide receiver that was targeted on that play. And then, for example, Sneed spends a pretty significant amount of time in the slot, which further reinforces the idea that uh if you are a player that's going to be facing kansas city that plays in the slot you're probably going to put up a lot of points because one of the things that you will see is that slot corners tend to allow fewer points per game on direct targets which is largely a function of its lower a dot uh and less opportunity for players scoring touchdowns out of there so hopefully that kind of addresses some of the things that you were uh, curious about there
1: yeah it does and you know kind of thumbing through the dashboard here if you if you haven't um dove into this tool yet on rotaviz.com. I mean, the amount of data that we have this year is, is really, really helpful. I mean, I'm staring at the entire Tampa Bay offense. I've just, uh, I'm waiting for the screen to update here as I've updated it just to show the 2022 snaps. uh, And there, and there it goes, you know, I can see that um, Cameron Brait of all people, and this is illustrative of the, the wide receiver uh, unavailability we've seen leading the offense with 132 pass snaps. Uh, but as I go down through, you know, I can see that Brashad Perriman has played 14% of his pass snaps at left wide receiver, 28% in the left slot, uh, has actually lined up as the left tight end, 4% right tight end, uh, 6%, uh, 28% right slot, and 20% right slot. So you can, you know, you know, for any player in the offense, you can see between the six different alignments. And, of course, that those tight ends are probably where we're talking about inside alignment and it trips formation, not necessarily you know, in line blocking right. tight end. Um, but you know, that's the level of detail that we have. And I can also see the pass snaps, uh, for any secondary player, you know, at left corner, left slot, corner, left slot, safety, right slot, right slot, corner, right corner. Um, so six passing alignments, seven secondary alignments, pretty much anything that you would want to find is, is in here. It's really cool. Going back over to the matchup, uh, ratings. Now that we've talked about the Buccaneers offense a little bit um garrett wilson um is also showing up uh pretty favorably in the tool this week
2: one thing to point out there curtis uh for people that are going to be using it when you play with the weeks in the alignment tab that's going to impact the ratings that you're going to see on the ratings tab so the ratings that you're looking at right now i bring it up might be different than what i'm looking at
1: sure yeah and and we'll reset them i mean garrett wilson does have uh, a, a nice matchup, uh, you know, with the Steelers. And the reason I wanted to bring up uh, the Jets uh, wide receiver core is we have the potential switch to uh, Zach Wilson. So mm-hmm. not only are we thinking about, you know, what does that matchup look like, but how are the receivers going to be used? And um, if, if Wilson does indeed, you know, start that contest, how will that impact um, the types of targets that people get uh, in those alignments? Will he push the ball downfield the way that, that Flacco was, uh, will we pass, see the same number of you know overall uh, passes in, in the matchup? But anything that, that you see there in the Jets' offense, maybe hope for some Elijah Moore or uh, are you still all in on, on Garrett Wilson based off of what this tool is illustrating for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point you still have to be more all in on Garrett Wilson. At this point, Garrett Wilson taking a more significant number of snaps from the slot, which is one of the places where Pittsburgh is inclined to to give up points. Uh, now, that said, they do have a couple of players here that are giving up a lot of points per game on direct targets. Mm-hmm. We see Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, two safeties getting fairly involved. Both of these guys covering slaps, uh, slaps, snaps from the slot. <laughs> um, but one thing they have here is Witherspoon, one of their cornerbacks, is allowing 14.8 points per game on direct targets. He's nor- <laughs> normally covering the left side of the field, uh, which in this case would align for Elijah Moore. Uh, So, Mm. you know, there, there is some room there for more, but when you do look at their overall body of work, given what we saw with Flacco at this point, it's looking like a very good matchup for Wilson with some hope for more. I'd be inclined to say that you're probably not going to see something. um, If Wilson is back, That shifts these snaps in a way that we would probably get very different ratings, at least at this point in the season. Uh, But nonetheless, this looks like a good spot for the receivers on the team to have a solid first game with Wilson if he does get back. The other thing that we can look at here, too, uh, would be to get a sense, though, of upside. At this point, Curtis, if you look through three games this year, teams facing the Jets are getting 1.3 wide receivers at uh, 10 plus points per game. They're also getting 0.7 or allowing 0.7 wide receivers to score 20 plus points per game. So definitely some opportunity for uh, the Jets in this matchup.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a start both of them situation. Um, Another offense that's showing up uh, with some favorable matchups in the tool this week is actually the 49ers uh, passing attack, you know, after that, Just ugly game against Denver. We talked a little bit about it in our in our Monday evening episode this week. Uh, The the passing game actually looked pretty strong in the first half of that Denver game, and then you know, with after the after halftime, the adjustments really just shut them down. It's still, you know, I think some defenses put mental blocks in your head where it's just you. They've been good at a certain thing for so long that it, it it. becomes difficult to unlearn start sit behaviors against them, and the Rams are a team where I've never felt super comfortable starting my wide receivers against them. Yet, you know, we see both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, you know, top ten in the matchup reader uh, tool this week. Can you expand on that for me?
2: Sure. So one of the things that I talked about in a couple of the episodes that I did when you weren't able to uh, record. Uh, We talked about the fact that you know you have players like Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the ball, players with a lot of name recognition. Uh, One thing that we've seen is Ramsey in recent games has not been as good as that reputation would lead you to think. But also, even beyond that, that doesn't mean that these players aren't allowing fantasy points to be scored. And then if I take things a step further, and if I go in and I look at every target in the Target Explorer tab of this tool that uh 49ers wide receivers and tight ends uh actually let me take that back let me put this we're gonna move we're gonna remove tight ends out of this or actually let's do it this way i'm gonna look at just Ayuk and samuel their targets versus the rams and i think you're gonna be surprised when you hear how many points per game or how many points per target the duo has put up against the rams last year they're averaging 2.3 ppr per target against the rams so though you have guys like ramsey in on a lot of those snaps that is a pretty significant total if you think they're going to get around eight targets you're already looking at like a 16 point game and just an average type of outing based on what we saw last year uh so Yeah. yeah there's a couple of things going on there driving it but uh, I would not be afraid at all about starting either of those guys, given the matchup. You might be more concerned about how Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, looked in his first outing as the starter.
1: Well, th- this is where, you know, the value of the tool comes in, because even just the exercise of going through this tool is a reminder that, you know, even if an opposing team does have a shutdown corner, I mean, you can't can't guard everyone. Yes. And, and, you know, production is just going to come from other areas of the field. And, you know, I, I think so few top players aren't moved around formations at this point um, that there's still ways for them to, to put up healthy production, um, even if if a secondary does have, you know, one or two stars. Um, we've talked about a couple of the obvious uh, plays that are standing out, you know, the Tampa Bay offense, the New York Jets offense, and the San Francisco 49ers offense all standing out uh, as having good matchups this week. I want to get on – in. Uh, onto some individual players who maybe haven't popped yet, uh, but it looks like you know it could be their week. Uh, I'll go to number 14 in the tool, our boy Alan Lazard uh, for the Packers against uh, New England, showing up with a strong matchup this week. I know New England surrendered quite a few uh, receiving touchdowns in in recent weeks, and you know, we don't have a ton of data on Romeo Dobbs uh, quite yet, not six games worth. Certainly, we've only got three on him, but he's down there at 30. Um, so with an inappreciably um, less attractive matchup, at least that's how the tool sees it. Can you maybe break down Lazard versus Dobbs? And is this Lazard week?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting in where they've run their snaps from. So if we look at just weeks one through three, so we're looking at only 2022. Dobbs has run 115, he's been in on 115 pass snaps, Lazard 111, fairly similar breakdowns, you've had Dobbs in the slot on 63 of his routes, Lazard 73, and they've Mm. both been lined up fairly evenly between playing the left and the right side of the field, so they have a very similar alignment. Uh, you have had Lazard, though, take a couple of snacks like a tight end, as you said, probably in a trips formation. So what you're going to be looking at for them this week is they will probably see some coverage from Jonathan Jones um, or Devin McCordy. But the thing is, when they're not drawing one of those matchups on coverage, you're either going to have at least commonly what's happened with the Patriots is one of their safeties uh, in Jalen Mills or Miles Bryant coming over, who both have been allowing a fair amount of um, points per game on direct targets, largely playing most of their coverages out of the snap uh, with Jalen Mills taking more than Miles Bryant in turn being the one that's allowing more points per game. So it's hard to say exactly which one here has the more favorable matchup especially since they have very similar tendencies or their alignments have been very similar. But I think that the key takeaway here is this looks like a decent spot for either one of those guys. Now, if you go back to last season, New England was a harder matchup for wide receivers than it has been thus far this year. Uh, So the long and the short of it is, is that, uh, you know, this is looking like a matchup that could be pretty interesting for them. The one thing you might have to be concerned about, and we talked about this earlier in the week when we were looking at the GLSP, is uh, the potential for Green Bay to get out ahead early and then turn towards the running game. Uh, That'd be the only concern that I might have. Uh, But nonetheless, looks like a good spot for both of these players.
1: Going to the game that's actually in progress right now, uh, as as I'm thumbing through the list here, Dave, Tyreek Hill showing up with one of the best matchups of the week. There are seven minutes left in the second quarter, and he already has four receptions for 51 yards. Uh, so I'll just leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh that's a good one. Um and, you know, another name a little bit further down the list, a guy that's has snuck in, I think, starting last week into flex consideration after being pretty consistent week after week yep. and showing a lot of chemistry with Cooper Rush, Noah Brown, uh coming in at 18. He's gonna be facing uh, the Washington Commanders this week, and you know, C.D. Lamb did get his a little bit last week. It was nice to see that that recovery. But you know, Noah Brown looks like a legitimate chain mover. He's got that size. He's got the report. The backup quarterback rush is still going to be around. Um, give us a little bit more uh, detail on his matchup this
0: week. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: Yeah, so Brown, it's kind of a similar situation here where you see Lamb and Brown being used in fairly similar ways Uh, where you have around... uh Let me get the actual number for you here. You have them running somewhere around like 55% of their routes out, uh, out of the slot and then leaning a little bit more towards a left wide receiver alignment than a right wide receiver. Uh, so maybe like 25%... um and then a little bit on the left side, then a little bit in tight end range. But where this could work out is obviously, uh, you know, the resources that the commanders can deploy here have to get split. So it's looking like the players that would be likely to cover them. You'd have William Jackson, the third and Kendall Fuller. Well, both of those players are allowing a ton of of points per game on direct targets. Right now, Kendall Fuller's actually at 17.3. He got blown up, if you will, a couple of times. Jackson's at 13.1. And then it's possible that you might have to get safeties pulled in on either of these gentlemen, depending on the way that Dallas decides to line up on a given play. So this is looking like a very exciting spot for both of them. Uh, And then also, Washington, I think it's worth noting, especially for CD here, that when the commanders have faced top 48 wide receivers this year, they're allowing 17.3 points to those players. Obviously, that's a pretty small sample if you're looking at just three games, but I think it shows the potential that could be there. Uh, While we're on it, though, I do just want to mention one of the things I was looking at before we started recording here was Diggs on terry mclaurin and if you look at some of their history over their recent games looks like it could be kind of tough sledding for uh mclaurin in that matchup as well so he's one of the guys that you might be surprised to see pretty low on the list this week but i will remind people that when you're looking at these ratings it's not so much a reflection on how good or bad that wide receiver is it's just looking at how hard of a matchup it would be if you're looking at the way that player is used by his offense and he's an average level player to kind of allow you to scale up or down in that regard.
1: Yeah. And I think keeping that in context too, and it be, because of that fact, that's why we see a lot of players from the same offense. If there, if there's not clear role delineation, right. You know, within kind of the same, um, you know, within kind of the same range, Uh, Of rankings in the tool so case in point Curtis Samuel uh, does rank Above Terry McLaurin coming in At 61 among Wide receivers and tight ends who are averaging Eight or more fantasy points per game Uh, McLaurin Is at 78 so 17 slots Lower and then if we keep Going down to 90 we find uh, Jahan Dotson so uh, Really it doesn't like Any of the Washington uh, (laughs) Commander wide receivers um, But you know the difference between a, a rating of 40 for Samuel and the tool and 32 uh, for Dotson with McLaurin sandwich in the middle, uh, you know, unless the whole offense falls flat, which is a possibility, you know, one of these guys is going to end up producing, and it wouldn't really surprise me to be one over the other with, with similar ratings for all of them. Um, you kind of transitioned nice and in, in uh, that last segment into some of the players we we're worried about. I just want to call out two or three receivers with lower, uh, ratings and then we'll hit a couple tight ends here as we kind of round out um, the episode. So starting at the bottom, working my way up, if you were hoping for Brandon cooks to get right this week, um, that, that might be difficult. Uh, he's, coming, he,
2: <laughs> yes. he's coming in at, he's coming in at one Oh
1: three in, uh, in the passing game, uh, matchup rater. You want to break that down for us?
2: Well, I think the first thing that we have to keep in mind here is that uh, currently Brandon Cooks is at wide receiver 60 in PPR per game. Started off the year at 15.2, dropped down to 9.4, then 4.2. Looking like we might be at zero points this week uh, (laughs) if that trend (laughs) were to continue. But no, I mean, if you go and you look at Houston's offense, what you'll see is that Brandon Cooks uh, only taking – around 37% of his snaps from the slot actually lined up wide fairly often. And um, that is kind of contributing to a low rating for him here because the Chargers defense has been pretty adept at covering players um, across alignments. If you look at their individual players in that offense, what you'll see is very few of them are allowing uh, or very few of the players that I would expect him to be getting coverage from are allowing a lot of points per game on direct targets. Uh, I will say there is a J- like, you know, JC Jackson uh, is allowing 15 points per game, but he's only played 57 snaps at this point. You're really mm-hmm. going to be more focused on guys like Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel jr. Um, so I, I, <laughs> If you're hoping that Cooks is going to get right, this doesn't look like the week for him.
1: Yeah, um, he's become much less than an auto start and he's probably you know riding the bench at this point until there's a, a prove it game. Unfortunately, a player who ranks, uh, you know, I think um, let's tie the wide receiver and tight ends together. Another way of highlighting the value of the tool because the, the alignments do differ. Uh, for these positions, and you can mix the two positions together. So I see Deontay Johnson at 96 in the tool. So now we're on the other side of the Steelers uh, Jets matchup. So Deontay with a, a pretty tough uh, situation, but all the way up at number two in the uh, the matchup tool this week is Pat Friermuth. Uh, so uh, this this is interesting. Um, this is really interesting for for DFS purposes, and because tight end has been so gross. You know, if you're playing in tight end premium and you're you're stuck at flex this week, you know, and, and let's say, you know, you have Kelsey or Pitts and Fryermuth is your your tight end too, this might be a situation where you consider actually starting that second tight end uh, in your flex with the matchup that's this juicy. What do you see in the Jets defense that that has the tool loving Fryermuth and hating Deontay?
2: Yeah, well, so one of the things, and this is even based on alignment, if you just look at tight ends against the Jets in recent games, you'll see that top 24 tight ends are averaging 11.4 points per game when facing the Jets' defense. Um, on top of that, if you go and you look at the alignment, obviously you're going to see that Friar is lined up as a tight end, a pretty good percentage of the time, but he actually has been in, for example, the right slot on 13% of passing plays, left slot 9%. So what you're going to end up seeing is probably maybe even some coverage on a couple of plays from some linebackers, which I think for a player like Friermuth at tight end, gives him some yeah. room to work with there. Uh, that's probably- just
1: unfair. <laughs> that's, that's unfair for a linebacker it's, you can't put them in that situation. Yeah,
2: Cause if you look at the ways that uh, the jets have deployed players in coverage, you're going to see Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams actually getting in some pass snaps on most teams. If you look in recent games, you're not going to see them as high on the list as they are, Uh, behind their other players you know your your typical um safeties and your cornerbacks um so on on top of that you might see some coverage um as well from a handful of guys that are you know almost at double digits per game um in points allowed so looks like a really good matchup for fryer moose so the jets have been good at covering wide receivers with the profile like deontay johnson But, you know, as most things, their strengths and that opens up a weakness somewhere else. And it looks like their weakness is then covering the tight end.
1: All right. Before I kick it to you, uh, just to see if there's any other players that we haven't hit or offenses that we haven't hit that you want to highlight. I'm going to just for fun, I'm going to lower the points per game threshold (laughs) and just see if we get any different names popping to the top. Maybe who haven't, you know, they've missed a couple, uh, opportunities, um, you know, in, in the end zone, you know, dropping some passes or, uh, they've been, you know, their team wide receiver three or four, but are perhaps in a larger role this week. And we don't want to overlook them. So we can actually go right back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If I lower the, the point the points per game threshold to just four, yep. the number one matchup, uh, amongst all players, you know, this week is Cole Beasley. So the new Buccaneer, um, you know, yet another Buccaneer showing up you know, high in this, in this tool, but you know, I think particularly, you know, if we don't have Godwin um, and you know, he's a hail Mary option here. Um, Anything to add on, on Beasley, or you want me to call off a a couple other sleepers here? Well,
2: I I think that I would agree with what's probably a popular sentiment that if you had to try to envision some of the types of players that Tom Brady would throw a ton of passes to having not yet played a game with that Mm -hmm. player, somebody that operates the way that Cole Beasley does certainly feels like a player that would get a lot of those targets. So there's just so much to like about Beasley there. We,
1: we also get um, with the the threshold turned down slightly um, the other side of the Buffalo uh, Baltimore game here. Yep. Buffalo against Baltimore. I mean, now all the pass catchers have kind of been getting theirs against Baltimore. um, But we see Isaiah McKenzie at 21, uh, in the tool. And we actually see Dawson Knox at uh, number four overall and tight end two when I lower the points per game threshold down. So, you know, if that game is indeed a, sh- a shootout, you know, of course you would still expect Stefan Diggs to perform despite whatever his rating is in the tool this week. And, you know, perhaps Gabe Davis can score a touchdown, but it could also be the complementary players uh, who have the best matchups this week.
2: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I would point to here is there's a lot of um, takeaways that you could have from that New England game against Baltimore that I think would apply to Buffalo. Now, obviously, a much better group of wide receivers in Buffalo, but I think there's some similarities in that there's a lot of overlap between the players in those wide receiver cores in terms of where they get used and how they run. Their routes. So Jacoby Myers didn't play, but going into that game, it looked like a really good spot for him. Well, you ended Mm -hmm. up having Devontae Parker get used in a lot of the ways that Myers would have and ended up being successful in this game, you know, in that game. Now, a lot of wide receivers have been successful against Baltimore as of late. So, probably what you're going to see is you're going to end up with Marlon Humphrey spending some time on digs, Marcus Peters getting in there as well. Uh, but then you're going to end up with some plays where their safeties, um, like Brandon Stevens, are going to have to get involved. And when that has happened, wide receivers have performed pretty well. Uh, so, this looks to me like a spot where, given what we have seen, Isaiah McKenzie. There's a lot of runway for him to become very involved and be successful when he's involved. So I think that there's going to be a fair amount of quantity and quality mm-hmm. for McKenzie this weekend.
1: Yeah, there, there's a decent amount of separation uh, between you know those interior players in in McKenzie and and Knox versus uh, the the more traditional perimeter receivers in the offense and Davis and Diggs. Yep. I mean, Davis and Diggs ra- rating sixty six and sixty nine in the tool this week in Knox at four uh, followed by McKenzie at 21. And so that that's, you know, I think that's statistically significant in terms of, you know, what the tool is, is seeing there. I want to hand you, uh, I want to just hand you the mic and let you run here for the last two or three minutes, Dave, is there any offense or any player we haven't hit tonight that you feel compelled to either, highlight for people or warn people about?
2: Sure. Well, I think one place that we have to start is in Los Angeles. In particular, we got to mention um, the Chargers against Houston, something you might not expect. But Gerald Everett does not have a particularly great outlook, nor does Mike Williams. Now, obviously, there's the element of Keenan Allen looking like he's not going to play. And I'm not saying that you go ahead and you sit Mike Williams, but given... Justin Herbert being banged up. Um, It's not feeling like, especially from a DFS perspective, probably not a Mike Williams week, even though on the surface, it could look like that might be a decent option. So I'm worried about the Chargers this week. Um, I mentioned Deontay Johnson earlier, wanted to call him out. Rashad Bateman, this is not a great matchup for him. Uh, And some of those wide receivers on Detroit, this looks like a tough matchup for them against seattle i think a player that's maybe in deep leagues like some of those rotovis triflex leagues dj Chark. you might be wondering what you do with him not looking like a very good matchup for him this week so at wide receiver those are some of the players i'd be worried about also if you look at tight end this week uh logan thomas against dallas could have a pretty rough day. Also TJ Hawkinson, as I mentioned, uh, you, you know, again, Seattle doing well with players um, from both profiles for the lions this week. Uh, Bobby Tunyon should have a good game. Tyler yeah. looks well positioned. Um, so those are just two other names. I wanted to mention and Then the final player uh, here that I think is worth mentioning. DK Metcalf with one of the better wide receiving matchups of the week playing against uh and i know i was literally just talking about this <laughs> um wait it's uh see, yeah detroit so if you look at wide receivers in recent games um against detroit you'll see that uh top 48 wide receivers only around 8.1 points per game but in terms of 20 plus point performances they do rank pretty highly. So, you know, maybe we get a, uh, a nice game there for uh, Gino throwing it to DK. Gino actually looks like a decent quarterback streamer this week as well. So perhaps that all ties up nicely there into a big game for DK.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of dynasty owners who would uh, like to see that big one hit. I mean, you know, he's just been kind of right there on the edge, but if he can do it with Gino, uh, it, you know, that's going to change his dynasty outlook as well as redraft for the rest of the year. Um, Dave, it looks like uh, in the Thursday night game here, uh, potential serious head injury for uh, for Tua. Oh no! Right after the injury on on Sunday, um, so thoughts and prayers out to him. Uh, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is in the game. Definitely, Tua will not be coming back. So, um, thanks for tuning in uh, tonight. We hope you got a couple ideas for some long shot flex plays as well as some confidence around uh, some of those younger players who, you know, maybe could be in a good spot to pop this week. If you want to explore the passing game matchup rater for yourself, you can go to rotoviz.com and make sure you check out the target explorer matchup ratings, alignment detail and position versus defense thresholds tabs. There's so much to learn about this tool. And Dave and I will continue to try to perfect its application over the balance of the year. Uh, good luck in your Thursday night matchups and we will be back next week.
2: Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at CabinF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.